This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Dan Baltic, and we are without Matt this week. Unfortunately, he is uh, whooping it up in, uh, in Las Vegas, having a hell of a weekend. But uh, I am holding the fort down, and I am very uh, lucky to be here with the very talented Caleb Caudell. And uh, he is a former guest on New Right. He um, wrote the excellent novel, The Neighbor, one of my uh, favorite novels that I've read over the past uh, few years. So when he, um, you know, when I, I found out that his collection of short stories was about to come out entitled Novelty, which uh, came out from Bonfire Books, uh, a great publisher. It um, When I found out that this was coming out, I knew that we had to have Caleb back. We had to talk about the excellent stories in Novelty and his nonfiction. And uh, we, I'm happy to and lucky to have him here today. How's it going, Thank Caleb? Good. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Uh, it's a pleasure to be talking with you. It's a pleasure to be back whenever novelty was released or as the release was approaching. I knew I wanted to do at least a podcast or two. And I was, of course, thinking of getting back on this one. Now, it's a little bit different this time because we don't have Matt with us, but you and I will have to now be one and a half men. To we, make uh, I, I think we we have it in us. Yeah, I we have. So. Uh, yeah. We have at least uh, one and a half men between the two of us. Right. I think we can do it. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, yeah. So Novelty is a collection of short stories. And I mean, these are really, really great. Like some of the, they kind of carries, yeah, carries on the theme from the neighbor, uh, mm -hmm. certain like uh, the neighbor is, um, it centers. It's a bit of like a road novel, which centers on the, um, uh, the 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 flight from the law of the protagonist, and it takes on this kind of like Homeric um, uh, Odyssey like you know journey where he travels across the you know the Rust Belt, kind of like one step ahead of the law, and you know, and it kind of goes uh, around in time a bit cyclically and looks at his past and what drove him to where he, uh, to his unfortunate present circumstances. And I mean, that was very much a novel that was, you know, at times very, it was hilarious. It was touching and it was rooted in the, um, 
the the you know the harsh reality of uh life as a young man uh without much education in the rust belt and mm. the you know the, the opioid crisis and, and all of that and yeah. i and in novelty a lot of those you know the the not exactly the same character but uh, a lot of those kind of types of protagonists return those you know types of uh settings and um yeah it um one one thing that kind of jumped out at me is you know i i know you at uh this point a, a little bit i mean we've met in person we've hung out like you you are obviously not the protagonist in the neighbor nor yeah. are you the kind of um uh, like to to varying extents the protagonists in the the short stories of novelty are yeah. guys who um kind of uh have the wool pulled over their eyes by like the uh the you know their their bosses their girlfriends their they're they're guys who are having a hard go of it and yeah. you know like you you are a pretty astute guy you, you know so it it seems like you know and you you are writing in most of these you know short stories in what what would be called a close third person narration where you kind of um employ a bit i think of uh, dramatic irony yes. and seem to hold the uh the protagonist in i think in our notes i sent you i call gentle contempt yeah and that's kind of like how when i wrote nutcranker my feelings towards spencer um yeah. you know I I, lo I love the guy, but yeah. uh, I obviously recognize his limitations. Yes. And what uh, what about that like speaks to you? These writing characters who like you know you're kind of like this guy's a dope, but he's he's my dope. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I identify all that strongly on the whole with any one of these characters, but the, the characters themselves are almost more pieces of observations I've had, or they, they are rooted in certain experiences or patterns, things that I notice about contemporary life. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't reduce myself down to any one of the characters, or I wouldn't even want to say that there are specific people that I have in mind that I know who can also be reduced down to these characters, but they do dramatize certain scenarios and situations and things that I think if we are attentive enough, if we're sensitive enough, we can see them play out and they don't map perfectly onto, oh yes, this one person lives this exact life. But there are times when you might have an experience that is very similar to what I've described that a character experiences in one of the stories. And there is, I think gentle contempt is a nice phrase and it's something it's a little complicated because I think it's a it's valuable and it's a a useful and very natural <clears throat> frame or feeling towards a character, but also there are limitations to that, and it's something I'm already thinking of as maybe worth moving beyond as well. It's 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 satirical, and satire is is difficult, right? Because it's it's very easy to make fun of something. It's easy to show the absurdity of something. We live in an absurd world. And yeah. simply repeating what you've seen and what other people do and even what they profess to value, that already will strike you or create the effect of satire. 
But then to add a little depth to that, a little bit more humanity, something that you that does touch you on a deeper level and makes you feel as if, okay, I'm not merely laughing at this person. I'm not merely superior to it, but I there is a little bit of this in me. I have gone through something like this. This is something that is possible that we might experience at any time, given the world is set up the way that it is now. Absolutely. It, um, there, I, do, do you, do you feel this as well? Sometimes when I'm writing and, you know, I'm writing a, you know, a, a satire of a, a character that I, you know, view as, you know, limited or, you know, dopey in some capacity yeah. that, um, it's it's safe in a way I, I don't yeah i don't have to worry about you know i mean there i'm sure there are people who are reading not grant and are like is this guy spencer grunhauer but i mean i think like most people are like no one is like that no one is you know no one is that you know obtuse no one is yeah. so there's a sense of like you can hide behind a buffoon Mm -hmm. and you know use that buffoon and his his comic you know uh, essence as a um a safe way to explore weighty topics yeah and yeah but i i do see what you you mean that um it's you know sometimes you just you want uh less i guess less um less satire less you know less you you want sometimes you want the main character to be someone who you can more fully identify with i suppose yeah right well and that's what you you want or at least what i think of as important is is getting into the properly tragic where the the downfall of someone isn't merely a cause for scornful laughter where there's yeah it's genuinely sad because there's a, a dimension to the character which isn't simply ridiculous where you yeah. start where there's a possibility that maybe they could pull through their humanity is a little bit higher they are not simply in a degraded state and then can be and degraded even further but maybe they have fallen from something or maybe they made bad choices it's it's a little bit more it's, it's got more substance it's got more depth <clears throat> Uh, it, absolutely it's difficult it, short stories are really tricky too because you're working you, you're very limited in time that you have with the, with a novel you can spin things out and and i've almost found i don't know if if you will know what i'm talking about here but at least even reading experience you almost if you commit to a novel you're almost more forgiving for of digressions. Oh, sure. Yeah. Information that maybe is it relevant, maybe not. It's more questionable. You're along for you you accept that you're in a this this richer world. So you're going off on tangents, you're introducing characters who are much more peripheral. But in a short story, everything's boiled down. It it really has to click or it doesn't, and it's confusing and it seems fairly pointless. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the thing that I I mean I definitely co-sign on. I mean the, I mean I remember a, uh, a writing professor told me that um, there's no such thing as okay, this is a bridge section between the good part and the other good part. Yeah. It all has to be the good part. 
And yeah. I mean, that's true, but you know, that's really true in a short story in a yeah. novel. Like ideally it would all be the good part. It's, you know, realistically speaking, it's never all the good part. That's really hard. Mm. But um, you know, in a short story, yeah, people are going to be much less forgiving. It's like, I, I don't want to, you know, if it's thing, something is five pages, the good yeah. part can't be like, oh, you know, the paragraph, you yeah. know, three and, you know, page four, it uh, needs to be, you know, pretty consistently good. So yeah, yeah that is, that is tough about short it, stories. It, it ties into this, even this more general phenomenon of, the less investment you have to put into something initially, then the less almost counterintuitively, the less forgiving you are, the, the more impatient you become. I mean, think of even something, the, the, an example of a life on a dating app where technically it's more convenient to find people, but that added convenience and the oh, yes. yeah. actually lowers your tolerance for sticking anything out. So yeah. in the same way with a, a short story, yeah, it's only going to take you even a longer short story, what, maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, maybe a little bit longer. But beca because it's so compressed, if you're bored after a minute, you really don't want to continue. If you're bored after a minute of a, of a novel, you've got a novel in your hands. You're going to you're going to plow. Yeah, ahead for absolutely. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, we live in an unforgiving age yeah attention yeah yeah it's um i mean that's one of the hardest parts i think of developing a a readership as a writer yes you um i mean you have to convince people to give you their time yeah. and you know you could write the best novel in the world but like if you don't already have like some people on board who are like i like this guy you should read this no one's gonna fucking read it yeah. It's, uh, you know, so it's, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a really difficult time to be around, especially because if you're outside of the kind of establishment, you know, New Yorker, what, like, there's a whole bunch of people, if the New Yorker tells you to read something, you'll, you'll read it. And yeah. obviously that's not most of the people listening to this pod, but that is actually a lot of people, a lot mm -hmm. of people who buy books. Right. But if so, but, you know, obviously the New Yorker is not going to you know, profile our books anytime soon. So, <laughs> I mean, so, you know, we, you know, people who exist outside of that sphere, we have this issue where it's like, well, how do we tell people that we wrote something good and how do we, you know, get them to believe that? Yes. And yeah, so that's like, well, I mean, let me just turn that into a question. How, how have you been, uh, you know, addressing that? Well, uh, probably not all that definitely <laughs> or uh, yeah, not successfully. I, I mostly, I focus on writing. Yeah. I know that there's a need to promote and market and network. And I'm not completely numb to that. I'm not ignorant of that entirely. But I am, I think one of my fringier qualities even though i do i write under my own name i write under my image i don't spend much time thinking about how to become more marketable or more palatable to yeah. a, a broader audience that's something that may, maybe i'm just cognitively 
impaired somehow. But it would be nice if someone would come along and say, I'll do all this for you free of charge. But that's uh, a fantasy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very hard. I, I feel like the qualities of a good promoter, a good PR person and a good writer are related, but not they do not necessarily overlap. No. And yeah, it's not the same thing. And I uh, maybe this is my highest minded stance, which is that uh, I think the quality of the work stands in its own right and is its own reward. Of course, I would like more money, more recognition. But what I'm primarily concerned with is writing to the best of my ability and pushing the quality of the writing at all times and honing the voice and everything else. I'm already I'm I'm old enough now to where I th there are many things that maybe have passed me by or that I, I could still grab them if I wanted. But the fact that I haven't yet is highly suggestive of something, some sort of temperamental <laughs> condition. And I'm OK with never. Never breaking out properly the way it's understood. Yeah. By mainstream standards. Uh, I I, I would be willing to go. I wouldn't necessarily sabotage myself to prevent it from happening either, but I'm, I'm mostly, it's a difficult question to answer. How do I, <clears throat> how do I market? How do I reach a larger audience? I don't really know. I don't really care so much. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm down to talk to people. I, I like a little bit of that, but it's more, it, it feels more like loose association, like friendship, not friendship in the strong sense, but it's not just so, it's not this ruthless striving enterprise for me. Absolutely. It, um, I mean, it definitely does shine through in your writing that this is stuff that you have, you know, really, uh, well, number one, that you're talented and number two, that you take it seriously. These are like well-composed short stories. The neighbor was, you know, a, a well, you know, well, crafted novel and you know it's it's something that is um you know not just you know well crafted but polished you know you uh, yeah. can grab and you know, turn to a page and you're not gonna you know <laughs> find you know the errors that are like maybe endemic to self-publishing <laughs> and yeah, now yeah. that you are self-published um you know bonfire books is very much a real publisher oh. and um yeah and they did an excellent job but um, I I do definitely co-sign on the idea that the work that you produce, um, it's as long as you are you you have a readership, you have you know of some level that mm -hmm. will like read your work and give you feedback. And you, you know, are kind of engaged in this, this dialogue with, with readers and other writers. That's all I've ever wanted, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I mean, I think like mass appeal, that is just like, that's not politically and culturally on the table for guys yeah. like us in it's the, fun. yeah, in the medium in the mm -hmm. near term, certainly, maybe even in the medium term. Yeah. So like at this point, you know, what I, you know, this sounds, yeah, I'm going to sound almost nostalgic or, you know, whatever here, but 
I remember my girlfriend um, after college, my then, you know, post-college girlfriend, long time ago, I'm 37 now, it's probably like 24, 25. She said something to the effect of, I, you know, I bet if you found like a creative community who valued your writing, that you could be in kind of like a dialogue with, that mm -hmm. you would be uh, as happy as you could be. That yeah. like that's the thing that would make you the happiest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there there is, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And yeah, yeah I, I think like as long as you have the people who, you know, value your writing for what it is, mm -hmm. they that you um, you know, you have a lot. Yeah, no, I consider myself to be rich in the right kind of recognition. And I, that, that's what's important. It's not about the general appeal, but it's about getting that recognition from the people who, whose views, whose opinions, whose tastes you can respect. And even if, even if I think I would write at least a little bit, even if it were for truly no one, because sometimes yeah. that's a little exaggerated. Sometimes people say, I only write for myself. I I think I still would write just for myself. I probably wouldn't write as much or I probably wouldn't be quite as structured if absolutely no one was reading it. But yeah, I, yeah. I think it would still be a worthwhile practice. I think there is something about it that I <clears throat> that's very appealing and necessary for me where I would have to do it one way or the other. But yeah, I... I mass appeal is is not it, it's almost you have to question someone i think who is really gunning for that i, I don't yeah. know exactly, exactly what's going on there but psychologically there's there's something very questionable about it well also the commercial kind of perverts the art a little bit i feel it's mm -hmm. like it's one thing to be writing for a readership but it's yeah. another thing, I think, entirely to be writing for like what's going to move a million copies. Yeah. And that's like you're trying to be like, well, you know, I mean, I suppose Jonathan France and not that I don't think he probably doesn't even sell a million copies, but he's that's a, an example of like a, you know, a literary fiction author who sells a lot mm -hmm. and does he necessarily like he's always like oh i'm the great american author guy this is you know i always wanted to do this i always wanted to write you know great american novels or is it more like well the great american novel is a literary event and yeah. so if you write a great american novel it's like it's a very easy sell because you get on oprah or whatever and you talk about like this is the novel that captures our times mm -hmm. and yeah i mean like so you if you want to move or like sally rooney normal people yeah. um it's if you want to move a lot of copies you got to be writing like not only on the pulse but you know you, you need to be writing something that is like um very has has a very high level of like commercial viability despite yeah. its literary quality sure. and my feeling towards that is almost everything else in life is a, a grinding obligation yeah and it already is a concession or some sort of exactly to this established standard and these systems so why take this one thing where you can enjoy a little bit of freedom and 
compress it or bend it, contort it down into the, the just to what's like everything else. Absolutely. It's um yeah, it's just kind of like what what's the point then? Yeah. You're mm-hmm. just you know, you, you might as well, you know, not write if you're there are, there are a million <laughs> there are a million smarter ways to sell out if you're really gonna do it. Yeah. If you're committed to that. Exactly. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about with regard to writing kind of um, close third person um, satirical or you know somewhat satirical novels, and yeah. we discussed the kind of desire to write things sometimes that are more dramatic, that are more um, you know. Um, uh, well, with a protagonist who, you know, is less, less buffoonish, someone who is more, you know, easily, uh, identifiable or not someone with whom someone would more easily identify. Um, there's, I find whenever I try to do that, I run into a, uh, a, a bit of a, you know, a stumbling block in that, um, I become, concerned that i'm portraying myself and then it's like well if i am portraying myself i have to portray myself accurately right so it's just it becomes like when the i find that you know it becomes almost unwritable Mm -hmm. when the protagonist becomes yourself and not just for the obvious reasons of like when people you're afraid of family and friends reading it but uh beyond Mm -hmm. even that it just becomes like you become invested in making sure you don't look like a schmuck. So, yes. and that's a problem because you can't be the author and at the same time kind of like safeguarding the honor of the protagonist. It doesn't work yeah. that way. No, uh, and what this calls to mind uh, the obvious distinction between first and third person and the choice of focal point and most of the stories in novelty are third person, but a few of them are first person. And I have noticed, I ha- I noticed that in writing these stories, when I would use the first person perspective, I felt m- more nervous that that perspective would be identified with me or that people, yeah. even it's still labeled fiction because it's I, it would be taken as a direct statement of my experiences, my feelings, my beliefs. And I think that's just tension you have to live with. And artistically, yeah, there you can take it in different directions. You can create a character who is very similar to who you think you are, or you can try to do something that's very far removed and much more imaginative. So far, I maybe a, in a moment of humility, I consider myself really to be a beginner in fiction and yeah. a beginner in writing because writing is a lifelong practice. And it's one of the few things in life that, unless you experience severe cognitive decline, as your body degrades, you can still, you are learning, you are refining yeah. practice. It's not like sports, it's not like so many things in life where you have to manage this decline. You can improve and improve and learn and absolutely become more and more sophisticated and add character and richness and color and 
with that long perspective in mind, I consider myself a beginner. And I think as of now, I'm writing characters that are closer to my experience, although I wouldn't want to say that they are exact copies of them with a little bit of an imaginative flourish, of course, and some rhetorical embellishment and ornamental yeah. action. But as of now, I've, I've, I've stayed pretty close to myself and what I've experienced. And something I would like to leave open is branching out and trying to adopt more voices, trying to <clears throat> express more voices, create worlds, not in a fully, I, I never want to be a fantasy writer exactly, but yeah. becoming more imaginative and throwing the lines out a little bit farther and, and creating characters who aren't so close to my own experience. Even as, It's a fairly obvious example, but you know, I've never written a story from the perspective of a woman so far. And that's yeah. almost, it's almost even out of respect in a way, uh, not that I hold women up higher than men, but just that I know it's more difficult to do. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to just fuck around with it until I've had time to think it through and practice. And it's a, it's just something that's, it's on the table, but it's a little farther out. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've always found it's just like whenever an author is trying to write the other gender, I've never found that done well. <laughs> it's it's... I, yeah, I don't know if it. it <laughs> ever, like, there have been a few who who do okay with it, but yeah, it's it's probably best. Yeah, th there's that uh, saying: "Write what you know," and that doesn't just mean remain stuck on two or three things. It might mean do a little research, live a little bit as yeah. well, but it still holds that. Yeah. You need to, you need to know what you're capable of. You need to understand your limits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just like a fundamental, I mean, I, you know, I'm by no means, you know, the, the other, the other side or whatever, they're the ones who say, can't write outside of your lived experience or your marginalizing people sure. or I, I don't even know yeah. what but um i mean there are in my experience practical limitations so like i remember i was in a, a writing workshop in college and this uh very talented female writer that still like some of the best short stories i've read were this you know stuff that she did in college and um she was writing from the perspective of a young man and she was like trying to describe how he felt when like this attractive woman like you know rang his doorbell and she and it was this kind of like very like feminine response to a an attractive like like the way a woman would feel yeah. of an attractive man yeah. and it's just kind of like oh she's so beautiful i don't know if i should look at her or this or that yeah. whereas it's, it's like yeah yeah it's like you know if you're a guy you're just like holy shit this is a hot you know yeah. hot piece here sure, yeah. <laughs> and like, you're like geometrically <laughs> tracing the contours of yeah her, her curves and everything but that you know what that can be interesting in its own right it, it, it always is going to miss the mark in a certain way but it can still show it can reveal in its own way more about how i like say if a, yeah there's a woman who's writing 
a man who sees an attractive woman, she's not going to be able to nail what it's actually like for a man to see yeah. an attractive woman. But through attempting it, she can show more of what a woman thinks a man. Oh, that's I mean, that's true. Yeah. And that can I mean, be it's an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dynamic. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's how yeah, I'm, I'm imagining. Yeah. I do, who knows if we'll ever try to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's worth a shot. Like, who, yeah. Why not? Life is, right? life, is, life is too long as it is. Yeah. Why? I mean, might as well. <laughs> I mean speaking of which, um, like, how do you, if you, you say that, you know, some of your writing is a bit more, um, you know, personal, close to life. Um, my writing not you know at least in from nutcranker going forward is uh not really like there there's no one who i you know would have read nutcranker and and they would think you know oh that's me i'm i'm the girl or that's that's yeah. me i'm the pro the kind of uh edgelord uh spurg protagonist it's mm-hmm. just that you know they are fictional i don't think anyone in my personal life you know certainly everyone who has read it no one was like yeah you really you know did me dirty here but like the that potential right because i remember writing like earlier like you know when i was you know younger and doing stuff that was more like auto fiction and Mm -hmm. yeah i'd be like well i can't ever show this to the girl i'm dating right now or Mm -hmm. she will be furious i can't ever you know and so that's like how how do you navigate that when you've written something because you are you know uh you're not just in like mfa classes or fiction stuff you're actually writing to publish and you do publish Mm -hmm. so what happens when you write something that is going to piss off someone well i think it it is it's difficult to navigate and it depends on your other aspirations and your priorities now i cards on the table i think i am a little unhinged i don't i don't know that i'm fully feral as as the kids say where i have some consideration i'm i'm a little bit strategic i write under my own name i write technically what is considered non-fiction i somewhat ironically label it as auto fiction almost to give myself a little bit of a cover but it is very much possible that there are people who could read what i write and read themselves into what i've written and interpret it in a way that might create quite a bit of tension or even possible conflict. <laughs> but I I don't go, I'm not totally ignorant of that. And I don't write absolutely whatever I want with no consideration. But I try to I try to strike some sort of balance. Maybe it's a little tepid, maybe it's a little lukewarm. I mostly say what I want to say. Okay. But I also try not to directly implicate specific people in ways that would immediately strike them as yeah. as, as an attack or as, as some as some kind of mockery yeah but it is, it's still possible that it could work out that way it's i'm not i'm not hidden under that many layers right i'm not writing under a pseudonym i'm not going to great lengths to conceal myself i'm taking one or two steps to be somewhat prudent but i'm i'm going as far as i'm going 
with the understanding that trouble could arise. Yeah. People could come after me. And depending on the exact relationship and all of this, this gets very complicated, right? Because if there are people who I'm close to who have a problem with what I'm doing, I will talk to them and I'm willing to talk to them. The farther out you get from people that I am actually close to who might want to cause trouble, the less I give a shit. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, fair enough. So it all, it all it comes down to specific people involved. I don't know. Somehow I've been able, I, I don't even know if I can explain it to you, but some of it, obscurity is also a boon in some Oh, way, sure. Right? Yeah. And it's not just a matter of calling yourself something else or disguising what you're doing, disguising your stories or experiences in allegory or, or anything like that it's by nature by virtue of the medium at this point writing is obscure yeah no i I mean that's true i can i can tell people i'm a writer i write i could write something about them and they would never see it yeah no not because i'm I'm hiding it from them but because they're never gonna look yeah i mean absolutely it's um yeah i you know it's often the case that you write stuff and you know not enough you know people read (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's good in a way but it but it can also be good and i am a little reckless i guess if if people really cared enough about me specifically to comb through everything i'm doing because they wanted to create some sort of controversy and make my life more difficult they could probably do it yeah but I don't think they care enough, and I also don't care enough to m- make sure to be diligent about making sure that doesn't happen. I yeah. am thirty seven years old. I am not married. I have no kids. I'm not saying that could never happen. I don't make very much money. I work in the service industry i I don't even say this to just be pro- provocative or I don't know if this sounds like some sort of wrestling. <laughs> refrain or something but uh there's really not a lot you can take from me yeah there's not that much like there are only a couple things that really even matters to me so there's not you really can't do that much damage yeah so i'm I'm really just not even that worried about it yeah no i mean that's that's good and that's like that's the place you want to be in when when you're writing so you feel like comfortable to take chances Mm-hmm. and yeah comfortable to you know say what you what you want and what you need to say i don't i don't That's... fault anyone for their decisions if, if you if you want to be a family man if you knew from an early age that that was the life for you but you also have artistic inclinations and maybe some political viewpoints that aren't necessarily they don't quite merge with the mainstream you want to separate those things you want to write under a pseudonym <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with that. I mean, it's perfectly respectable, but also, but where I am is that those things don't really need to be balanced so much. I don't have to worry about it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not overly concerned about being targeted or undermined. There's really not a whole lot you could do to me at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that being said, I'm not courting controversy either. I don't really want <laughs> that kind of negative attention either. I, I'm not, if I wanted that, I could be much more deliberate about seeking that out as well. Yeah. I mean, in this instance, I'm thinking more just like personal discord. Like if you, you know, 
kind of um, not even lampoon, but just kind of like give your own perspective on a an argument between mm-hmm. yourself and your girlfriend or something. Yeah. That is something that like will, you know, regardless of, you know, your level of uh, investment in, you know, other aspects of your life, like yeah. that's an aspect that, you know, it's um, yeah. Or, or friendships or, or what have you. Well, that's so, like you, you maybe if you've read my Substack, you might've noticed that at this point, especially I don't, I don't mention much romantic yeah. situation. I, I don't really go there and it's not to say that there's nothing happening but that's probably where i am the most sensitive when it comes to intimate relationships i'm not really in a place where i want to be exposing that in graphic detail yeah yeah because of the respect i have for the specific people involved maybe that's still semi-sacred i might i might nod towards it now and then i might make some reference that connects to something that's happened to me in that sphere. But if, if there is something where, where I am most, where my lips are the tightest, it's, it's in that domain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had uh, both, you know, in terms of those types of personal relationships, but also familial friends, what have you, there's like, you know, there's a plethora of material you could go into and it's like, well, is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. And if the squeeze is going to like damage the most valuable relationships in my life, then like, yeah, you know, like maybe it's, yeah, I'll write about Spencer for a little while. Yeah. And And you, and you can, you can sublimate that or you can exactly you can channel that into other areas yeah and that's that's what i would do if, if there's something if i have an experience with someone that i do respect and there is considerable intimacy and there's trust then i'm not going to directly transcribe <laughs> there, there will not, be not real, advisable, not advisable. No, it, i don't think that falls under it's not out of there's there's no fear i'm not selling out i don't think it's a craven impulse at all but i do think no yeah. the people that you're closest to and and there should be some understanding i mean really because everyone needs to when you're with someone who is a writer there's always that possibility yeah and you, you would hope you would be handled with some respect but probably things are going to leak out they'll be filtered even in a fictional form but that's something at the very least people who deal with me i think have some understanding of that uh, yeah that yeah i'm not gonna just take your name and make you look like an idiot for my own amusement but there are there are things about you and things about us and experiences that we share that will likely in one form or another however disguised they will make their way into something yeah that, absolutely and if if someone is just not okay with that in a broad sense then yeah it's we probably shouldn't get that close um yeah so with regard to you know we're already on the topic of dating and relationships and a lot of your fiction a lot of the stories and novelty deal with the dating landscape for Mm -hmm. men in 2023 and um 
there's there's certainly a lot of grist for the mill these days, isn't there? There certainly is. Yeah, I've been thinking about this lately. I'm always thinking about it. And one thing I want to say is that the the focus on dating as a specific category, separate from every other realm of life, is very interesting and very telling because I almost think at this point, we have to change how we're looking at this. And it's not so much that we have a problem with dating. There is no such thing as a problem with dating. You have a problem with the social environment. All dating issues are downstream of <clears throat> dysfunction in the social environment. And the hyperfixation then on dating is a way it's entertaining. It gets a lot of attention, right? It riles up people. It arouses all of these passions, a lot of bitterness, resentment. Yeah. All, all kinds of hurt feelings. But to me, dating itself is almost this artificial and arbitrary category which is indicative of a of a much larger scale longer term historical breakdown of social bonds and networks there really is no problem with dating unless you already have unless you've already reached a fairly advanced stage of atomization yeah absolutely yeah and of course there's a little bit there's something that's that is timeless about the conflict between men and women, right? I mean, there are yeah. always, there's, there's going to be misunderstanding. There's going to be frustration. Men and women are not going to under, understand each other on, on every note, but Absolutely. there are about this specific time period. And there are people who play the, the dating discourse game very adroitly and they make smart, funny comments and they get a lot of attention for that. And even, what I do, because I write stories that are oftentimes about one man, one woman who are not quite coherent, right? Yeah. But the isn't so much either the man's an idiot or the woman is a dumb bitch, one way or the other. One side is well-intentioned, the other isn't. It's more so that both of these people, the man and the woman, are they they've been abandoned in a certain sense to themselves and to each other in a way that isn't really workable and isn't functional yeah absolutely the i mean certainly a topic on new right that is uh perennial uh these days at least is the social dysfunction that um has caused um you know all these uh dating and romantic difficulties for both young men and young women yeah and yeah and part of i think part of what makes and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording part of what makes your fiction and uh, and my fiction and you know um you know, anyone, any man who's writing honestly about dating and romance in 2023, part of what makes us not um, commercially viable in the, you know, NPR set is uh, just the, just the very fact that you're writing honestly about these things, because yeah. they will inevitably uh, sound, um, you know, resentful in, in some respects. They will inevitably sound uh, to, to some years misogynistic or something of that nature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just, um, it's, 
it's kind of like I, I think that um, male writers today, straight male writers are placed in a kind of impossible position vis-a-vis the mainstream publishing industry because you uh, essentially, if you were to speak honestly about dating and romance, you're going to say things that uh, are the honest reaction to a um, a social structure that is uh, you know promulgated as the the ideal structure by the establishment uh, for various reasons, but is in fact uh, quite uh, quite not so ideal for men. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's it creates a situation where you know, the the very fact that you're you're writing honestly in novelty about you know being a straight man makes it you know a harder sell to uh simon and schuster yeah it certainly does and and more so from the perspective of men in general or the the idea of an average man because there there's a kind of man who is having a pretty good time right now and that's also you could you could chronicle that experience as well but i'm more so interested in the frustrations yeah the downside of that but but even that but either way you're not really you're not encouraged to explore either end right like if let's say you were very sexually successful in a superficial sense as a man that would be offensive if you were talking about that. Yes, exactly. But then if you're also talking about feeling very frustrated about your inability to cash in on those possibilities, that's also a problem. So there's really not a lot of room. Yeah, it's 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 a real question as to what are you supposed, how are you supposed to feel right yeah. now about should I, because it, and it's this larger problem, even of the way that privilege is framed, right, for various identities. So saying like, well, by virtue of your identity, you have all the, these advantages. But then if you capitalize on them, of course, you're faulted. But if you don't, then you're an even bigger loser. Yeah. So what are you supposed to do? <laughs> One way well, like that? to the extent that I mean, let's say the you know, the, the, the hyper successful, um, romantic, you know, uh, partner, uh, man in this environment, the, uh, the West Elm Caleb as, as it were. The, the uh, alpha male. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So he, he, um, you know, if he were to, not that he's necessarily a writer, I, I don't know much about him, but, uh, I assume there are some West Elm Calebs who are writers and if they are to, you know, write honestly about, you know, oh, what do you think about the five women you're sleeping with at any given time? You know, probably they would be somewhat contemptuous of a lot of them just mm-hmm. because, you know, for obvious reasons. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's a system that's set up that kind of um, it, it, you know, I mean, I, I, I hate to sound, I'm not really a trad. I'm, you know, God, I wrote Nutcranker. I am not yeah. a trad, but uh, monogamy was an institution that was set up to, you know, preserve a certain sense of dignity for men and women. Yeah. And, yeah. Monogamy, I, I think maybe this is getting a little bit farther out, but 
I mean, that if you, if you want to talk about equality or the attempts to enforce equality, monogamy really is the probably your sharpest technological tool for achieving that because yeah. it seems much more by nature sexually you're going to have serious inequality you're going to have a minority of men monopolizing far more women than what most men will ever have access to and that's going to keep most men out of they're going to be unable to participate meaningfully and substantially in society which is i think what you're seeing more and more of now exactly as as monogamy is not socially or economically enforced or reinforced you have more men with fewer prospects uh, less of a reason to participate and to contribute to society in a meaningful sense because what what really did they stand to gain I, at best a one woman a family reasonably assured lineage yeah if they don't have that why why are you going to work why are you going to participate in this yeah structure? exactly it um i had this kind of same discussion with a friend of mine a banker about four or five years ago and his take on it and he he's relatively well read um was well this is just a return to form this is you know in hunter hunter gatherer societies this was how it was and that uh what's what's wrong with that it's actually eugenic was like his you know conclusion and i mean the thing is that just it's very short-sighted because like yes you know he he did okay in his life he did well um but you know it's you you want to you want to live in a society that does well. Yeah, <laughs> you well, don't just want to be the only person doing well. Yeah, because then you you have to deal with all the you know the mm-hmm. negative externalities of everyone else not doing well. We're talking about at scale. This is a mass scale society. This is not. You can't only be concerned with a few elites feeling pretty good about themselves. There's, yeah, you have millions and even billions of people who need incentives and need reasons to contribute or else it will be, it will result in chaos and mayhem and breakdown. Yeah. And like the very kind of the very, um, you know, the the narrative, the lies that are used to maintain this about um, the natures of men and women and the you know the the, the various kind of like <clears throat> girl boss and me too stuff that gets promulgated um in in order to be a successful you know um uh male in the dating landscape you do at least need to pay lip service to that you can't be like oh that's just a total crack of shit that's just like, I'm going to give you my right wing talking points now. And like, you know, women, they don't love that is my experience. Like some of some of them are okay with it. Some of them are down with it. But like, in general, if you want to be, you know, if, in you know, in general, if you want to be on the top of the social pyramid in America today, you cannot, you know, be spouting off about, you know, so like, even, you know, even the kind of, you know, the, the most successful, you're, you know, you you part of the bargain is you have to pretend that this is like empowering 
for yeah. all of the women. And yeah. so that's that's why the West Elm Caleb, if he were to, you know, write the, you know, the true story of this, he couldn't do it because then he'd no longer be West Elm Caleb because they'd be like, this guy is canceled. He's an asshole. Not quite. Although I mean, that's that is for the most part true. Although I leave open there are, I think this is my maybe me at my most optimistic. Yes, if you are honest about how you feel, if you're honest about your experiences you will alienate quite a few people. You will incur some ire. But my example is, think of someone like uh, Bukowski, mm. where he was such a blatantly honest piece of shit. Yeah. And the truth is, I mean, not all women, but women love him. That's true. Yeah, some not not all, but there are women who, and even with, I'm not even saying women with right wing beliefs or women with dissident viewpoints, leftist women too. Will people also, again, in this maybe optimistic vein, when it when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to attraction, when it comes to magnetism, people have a remarkable ability to compartmentalize. This is true. And I'm I'm not necessarily I don't want anyone to just take what I'm saying and run with it necessarily, but at, something to keep in mind is that you might be surprised what you can get away with with the right person. I'm not saying don't be stupid. Know know where you are. Get a feel for the people that you're dealing with. But even with my experience, without without going into too much detail. Uh, your own charm can make up for quite a bit. So you don't, I mean, there are limits to that. Like I said, I'm not talking about full on uh, esoteric Hitlerism, but just being, being a little bit more raw, being a little uh, unapologetic, being a little bit satirical towards some of the, the modern day yeah. standards. If you, if you have chemistry with a person, with a woman, you, you can get away with some shit absolutely but, but like it's, i said don't be like be smart know know who you're you're dealing with too yeah yeah no i mean that that is very true being you know being confidently yourself yeah that that's is effective. something that is that's right. yeah even uh, there are people and this probably goes in the other i don't know i'm not going to speak to men's attraction in general, but there are women who officially, they have to believe certain things, they profess certain things, they participate in all these things that signal their affiliation, their belonging, their allegiance. If you are unapologetic, if you are confident, if you are intelligent, it's, you might cause minor offense, but you can, you can move past it. It's still, it's, it's something that you, you're, you're dancing through and around. There are ways of, or ways of working through it. I think to an extent this speaks to the so-called vibe shift. Yeah, because, I, I think that's happening more broadly too, right? Yeah, I think that you know, there's there's a certain my um, my girlfriend was describing today um, that there's an, a moment where she was in a, a group, and not to get too specific, to you know, I don't want to dox or you know, or just even like whatever. But, uh, you know, there's like some woke stuff was going on. She and like a, another girl like kind of locked eyes like. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, you know, you know, 
I think people are beginning to get a get fed up by yeah. this stuff. Well, and it, that's that's yeah. good. It's on, good on for the, the art, certainly. Yeah, on the everyday level, even in your interactions with people, I think maybe one thing to keep in mind is that.